All right, in Ephesians chapter 4, if you can believe it, we're uh, in Ephesians 4 now, and uh, we uh, begin a new section in chapter 4, and uh, the first three chapters dealt with doctrine and doxology. If you notice the end of Ephesians 3, Paul, after giving all this wonderful doctrine, breaks out in a great doxology, and we should do the same. That's application for us. And uh, I think true theology, true doctrine, true truth will lead to praise. So let me ask you, how much are you praising God when you just read his word and, and, and see all that he's done? And then we see the last three chapters of Ephesians deals with the practical application of the doctrines that Paul has given. And it's in that order, doctrine and then application. God doesn't say, be humble, love, and then I'll give you the Spirit or then I will bless you. No, he blesses us. He's given us all of this great stuff. And so what Paul is saying is, bear that in mind and then live it out in your life. So that's what we're going to be talking about uh, because God has already uh, given us his spirit. He's given us the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, uh, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and so forth. All of that is ours. All of that is ours. And uh, uh, we have his spirit. We have within us the power to live the Christian life. And so Paul is uh, just exuberant. He's just overwhelmed with who God is and God's mercy. And uh, that, of course, is for us as well. And uh, so remember that. He is... In the first three chapters, he's called us to be saints. He's, uh, we are holy in, uh, in Christ. We're a child. We've given, been given a new life. He's placed his spirit in us. He's predestined us. And, and all of these are not in, in, in any order. But just go back and reread that. Don't say, okay, now we're into the practical. Let me just forget about the doctrine. And that's what a lot of people uh, can do if you're not careful. But we're clothed in his righteousness. And all of that wonderful doctrine and teaching should inspire us, should equip us to, uh, to live for God. And that's what Paul is saying here. We have an inheritance laid up. And if that doesn't excite you and motivate you, uh, it should uh, because it is uh, for us. And so now in, in chapter 4, in verse 1, Paul says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the, uh, of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And that's the verse I want to deal with. I want to look at four words in this particular verse because I think uh, they're very important to really capture what Paul is going to say after that. You know, a lot of times we can just read through Scripture 
and get to what we like and think about that. But we need to take all of the scripture and say, now, why did Paul say this? What, what is he leading to by saying that? What is he talking about? And so uh, it's interesting, by the way, and uh, after saying what he says, he starts off with humility, with all humility. Wow. In other words, doctrine, true doctrine should humble us. It should humble you. You ought to just be overwhelmed with who God is and what he's done for you and Christ coming and humbling himself and dying on the cross. Uh, true theology will humble you. And uh, that, I believe, is, is uh, it's scriptural. Uh, and he goes on, he talks about unity in, in chapter 4. And I'm just kind of giving you a little outline of where Paul is going here. But uh, he talks about uh, unity, and yet we'll see that uh, unity is not something that uh, you, you just unify around anything. In other words, be unified no matter what's going on. No, he, it said, uh, he, he says, no, there is true doctrine. There are things that we stand upon. There is a foundation. Now, be unified in that because we are and, and have one faith. Uh, one Lord, one baptism. And so this is, this is kind of where we're going here. And, but he starts off and he says, therefore, uh, in other words, after everything he has said in first three chapters, he says, therefore. And of course we all know, uh, what is therefore, therefore? Okay? And that's what we're going to look at in looking at these uh, four words here in this first verse. Um, we see similarly Paul in, in the book of Romans took, and we went and studied through the book of Romans, as you know, he took 11 chapters with doctrine, Paul did. And then if you look in the 11th chapter, at the end of the 11th cha- chapter, Paul breaks out in doxology again over all of this wonderful truth about God and what he's done for us and justification by faith, uh, calling and all of that. So very similar. But then he says <clears throat> in Romans 12, 1, therefore, see in Romans he starts out with therefore, just like he does here after telling all the doctrine. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... In other words, in view of all that he's done for you, keep that in mind. Don't forget who you are in Christ and what God has done, who God is. And that's very important to offer your bodies. In other words, here is the practical coming. To offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, etc. And I just want you to see how Paul, his his manner of writing is and that we can learn for it. And so these two sections of Ephesians uh, are connected and uh, he is saying basically, don't forget chapters 1 and 3 through 3, but uh, we're now going into 4, 5, and 6. But he's not saying forget chapters 1 and 3. In other words, it's not like 4, 5, and 6. Here's the important stuff and that's what we... That's what we like to do as Christians. We like to have 
a whole list of do's and don'ts. That's important stuff. Just doing, doing, and don't doing this, don't do. And we forget why we're even doing it. And, and what's the purpose behind why we're doing it? Why do you do it? Why do you do what you do as a Christian? This is what Paul is going to be pointing out uh, as we go through this. And uh, So chapters 1 through 3 provides the foundation and the motivation for 4, 5, and 6. The motivation. Uh, and so be careful because I do it to read the whole Bible. Read the whole book. Uh, not just the little pl- places that God is love. End of story. I mean, that's it. That's all you need to know. No, you need to know a lot more about God than God is love. And, and uh, so, so therefore, keeps us from error of doctrine only. The word therefore, Paul is saying, there's more. But don't forget what you've already what I've already told you. And uh, because knowledge is a wonderful thing. True knowledge, true doctrine, true. But you know, you can get caught up in studying doctrine and having all of this knowledge and never affecting your life. I've been there. I have done that. I remember coming back from Bible college after one semester. I knew it all. And buddy, I was going to get you told. And you better do it my way or the highway, you know. And I was, I was proud. I was arrogant. And uh, I was probably not a whole lot of fun to be around. I don't think my parents really enjoyed what I had to tell them, and we won't get into that. But 1 Corinthians 8, 1, he says, Now about food sacrificed to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up. While what? Love builds up. This is what Paul is going to be talking about. He's going to say, God loves you so much. Now go out and love other people. Remembering why you love other people is because God first loved you. So you can't forget all the good stuff. And and the thing is, I love doctrine. I mean, I... I really do. I love doctrine. But we can't forget the practical. We can't forget it. Uh, No matter how much theology, true theology, you know, it won't save you. Just the knowledge of that will not save you. What matters? What matters? Well, in Galatians, when we went through Galatians, we saw it. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is what? Faith. Expressing itself through love. See, what will true faith produce in you? Genuine love. That's what genuine faith produces is love. We need to see what Paul is driving at, uh, I believe, in this, uh, in this uh, portion of Scripture, these last three chapters. And he says, you must be humble. 
true doctrine will humble you. Don't trust in your knowledge. Don't trust in anyone or anything except Christ and him crucified. Knowledge does not save you. There are also those who don't trust in knowledge. They just trust in being moralist, doing good. They're going to make it because they're doing good. There's no doctrine behind what they do. They don't think doctrines in, they're just going to be good for goodness sake. Isn't that what Santa Claus? Be good for goodness sake. That won't save you. It just won't do it. That's why we need Christ. We need God-centered motivation. What the Holy Spirit has done in you, for you, and to you. That's what we need. Because just good moral living will not save anyone apart from Christ. We should live out of gratitude for what he has done for us. We should be grateful for what he is doing in us, through us, to us. Give him all the glory for that because it's so easy, isn't it, to... And I, and I suffer with this, thinking, God really loves me today because I've done so much good. Well, I've done all these good things. He really loves me today. Wow. No. No. God desires an obedience that flows from faith and love. Faith and love do not flow from Obedience. Obedience should flow from genuine love and faith. As your faith and your love grow, so your obedience. But a lot of people just, oh, I just need to obey. Just do all of these things and don't do all these other things. And they sit there like the Pharisees. We've arrived. We're we're right. Paul says, uh, we don't do these things to gain the favor of God. It is not, I must do all these things before my Father will receive me. Don't base your acceptance with God on something that you do. Don't do these things in order to be loved by God. But do these things in response to what God has already done for you. I think that's about the fifth time I've said that. But I'm hoping you'll hear it. Remember, God's salvation is not a reward for what you do. Salvation is a gift of free grace. A gift of free grace. It's not anything that you do. You don't do good things so you can be born again. But it's because you have been born again that you do good things. Out of gratitude and love. See, we, we get the cart before the horse in Christianity, in our living, the Christian life. 
We think because all of this good stuff we're doing, God is happy with me. He's already happy with you because you're his child. As Paul says, you have been called. You've been called. And we're going to get into what that means. Uh, So it's that important, brothers and sisters, uh, that we understand what Paul is talking about. So he talks about what, what does it mean then to walk worthy of the calling? Paul desires unity. Yes, he does. But you can't have unity if you don't walk worthy, worthily. Okay? You cannot compromise truth and have unity. That is not consistent with walking worthily because God's word is truth and God wants us to obey this word because we love him, because we love him. But but the overall principle of what Paul is talking about is walking worthily. You don't compromise moral standards to maintain unity. Paul deals with life in the church, life in the world, life in the home, life at work, spiritual warfare that we face. These are in these four uh, three chapters. Now, do I accurately represent God as my Father in doing what I do? Do I walk worthily? These three important words, walk, calling, and worthy, I want to look at briefly. Walk. Paul could have said here, live worthily. Have a lifestyle, he says. Have a manner of living. But he uses the word walk. Notice he used the word walk in chapters 2, verses 1, 2, 3, and 10. Chapter 4, verse 17. Chapter 5, 2, 8, and 15. I'm not going to look at those at this point, but walking refers to all of life. The Christian is in a walk. We're walking out. We're working at out our salvation, not working for our salvation, but we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Every phase of life, we're walking. Every day, we're walking. First of all, walk suggests action. Does it not? It suggests action. It's not just talking about walking. Can't you talk about walking? We're good at it. Oh, boy, we can get a 10-point outline and we can... Talking about walking is not walking. I can sit in that pew and I can talk about walking, all you know. But if I'm sitting there, I'm not walking. And it's sad because walking suggests action. 
It's not just about knowing or talking about right doctrine, but doing it, practicing it, carrying it out because of the changed heart that we have. It's not just about believing what you preach, but practicing what you preach. This is where Paul is going with all of this. In other words, what he's saying is, all of this doctrine is going to affect your life. I think that's the fifth time I've... But that's what Paul wants us to see, isn't it? That, hey, Christianity is not just knowing a whole bunch of stuff, but Christianity is about the Holy Spirit getting hold of you, changing you, motivating you through the truth of God's Word to go out and live the Christian life by faith and love. Wow. So this is huge. It's interesting. If you've never read Pilgrim's Progress, I suggest you pick it up, not in the Old English, but in the modern version. And there is a gentleman in there called Talkative. An interesting fellow, as John Bunyan describes him, Talkative. Just talk, 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 talk. Never did anything. But boy, he could talk. Talk up a storm. But also, secondly, walking suggests what? Direction. Direction. What direction is the lost person heading in? Remember back in chapter 2 and verse 2, in which he says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and so forth. See, the lost person walks, but they're going in the wrong direction. You, you, know, you can walk this way, can't you? You can walk backwards. That's what the lost are doing. They're walking, but they're going in the wrong way. They're walking backwards. Why? Because they don't have the Spirit of God. They don't have Christ in them. They have no power to live the Christian life as we do. Wow. So it's, it's really really important that we understand what walking is all about. Do you realize that we're all walking on a certain path to glory? We're all walking on a path to glory. That's exciting. You don't fall, you don't, you may fall in the ditch, you know, at times and have to be pulled out or what have you, but we're heading to glory. That's the promise that we have from Scripture. Conversion starts the walking. When you are converted, it doesn't mean that the walking has ceased. No, the walking just begins at conversion. Yeah, we're perfectly justified. We're uh, perfect before God legally and in, in, in every respect. But walking takes time. It takes time to be like Christ. It takes the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace as we apply that in our lives and as we live it out, not out of, I better do this so I can be saved, but you live it out because Christ is in you giving you the power and strength to do that as you yield to him. And I would say, if that's not in you, you better ask God and Christ to come into you. 
and change you and give you this love, this, this uh, desire to, to live for Him and please Him. And then also walking suggests progression. Progression. We never arrive. We never have done enough. We continue to walk. It's not, you know what, I, I've been preaching for all this time. I think I'll just quit and sit down on the bench and do nothing. That's not what God has called us to. That's not what he has empowered you. The Christian walk never ends. You will be walking until the very day that you die. You never arrive. There is never a stretching out and resting in the Christian life. It's a progressive thing. It's a progressive, it's a perseverance. Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, Paul says again, since we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off, throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. It's a constant thing. It never ends. Calling here in verse 1 is another key word. Uh, and there are three things I want to look at about this calling. Calling gets a, a real uh, uh, bad rap, I think, in Scripture. Uh, because calling is a very strong word. Uh, first of all, calling refers to our past conversion when we were converted by God's grace, raised from the dead to life, born again by the effectual call of God through the gospel, empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's a calling. You know... Uh, we all know the story of Lazarus. When Jesus went up to the tomb, he didn't say, okay, Lazarus, if you want to come forward and you want to uh, be raised from the dead, uh, I'll leave it up to you. I'm calling you to come forth, and if you really want that, okay. Lazarus didn't go, you know, Lord, I think I'll just stay here. I'm enjoying myself. Uh, forget it. Do you find that? I don't know. What did Jesus say? Lazarus, come forth. That was a calling. And he raised Lazarus from the dead. He's done that in your life too. He has called you. He has raised you to newness of life. Why are you acting like you're dead in your trespasses and sins? See, you're not following what Paul is saying here. We need to get excited about what Christ has done for us. Get so exuberant we just go, Whoa! Praise God from whom all blessings flow and sing doxology. Are you singing doxology in your life? Ask yourself that. Do I do that? And if not, you better check up. You know, we're dealing here with a very serious thing. No, Lord, Lazarus. No, Lord, I think I, I don't want to. No, the effectual call of life that Christ spoke forth raised him from the dead. 
And a true Christian has been effectually called by God. Did you know what the word church means? Ecclesia? The called out ones. Doesn't say the partially called out ones, uh, the uh, uh, the half-hearted called out ones, uh, uh, those who really want to follow me and those that don't called one. No, the called ones, the called out ones, the ones called by God's grace and power. And so Paul looks back at what God has done. He's called, he's adopted, he's justified. Wow. Calling also, secondly, refers to our present condition. We're called sons of the Most High God. Wow. See, that's present. We are that now. We have a present calling. We are presently in Christ. Blessed. We have an inheritance. We're bought with the precious blood of Christ. Whoa. Do you realize that? You've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. You've been called. By the way, thirdly, calling is our purposed career. We all have a calling, don't we? I mean, you may be a doctor, a lawyer, Indian chief, uh, and that's something that you choose. But if you're in Christ, you're called. You're called for a purpose. You're called for a purpose. It's a vocation. You're called to be holy ones. You're called to be holy. So now, act like you're holy. That's what Paul is saying. But don't just act like it. Do it because it's true about you. See? Wow. First Corinthians. First. Uh, uh, in Romans first, Romans 1, 1 and 6 and 7. Paul, a servant of Christ, called. You know, Jesus didn't say, okay, Paul, now if you want to be an apostle. Uh, no, Paul was called. Wow, he was blind. I mean, he, he was called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. And you also among those Gentiles who are called. To belong to Christ. You belong to Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be His holy people. Not if you want to. You're called to be that. Grace and peace to you. And so forth. Also, 1 Corinthians 1, 1 and 2. Paul called to be an apostle of, uh, of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be His holy people. It's not like, well, you know, if you want to do this, that's fine, Lazarus, but uh, I'd like to raise you from the dead. No, you're called. You're called to be holy. Together with all those everywhere who call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God doesn't, God isn't playing, uh, Paul isn't playing games here. He is telling it like it is. We need to live up to our calling. We need to live up to our calling. Because it's a vocation. Vocation, not vacation. 
Did you hear me? It's a vocation. It's a calling. You're God's son. You're God's child, Paul says. Now act like it. Be humbled by it. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. And I will empower you to do this as you trust me and as you uh, believe the gospel. By faith, I will empower you to do this. Wow. We're called for a purpose. We're called not to just escape hell. You know, it's so sad because a lot of Christians think, I've got my ticket out of hell. And that's kind of how they look at their Christianity. No, he's called you to a life of holiness. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Pretty clear, isn't it? Pretty clear. We have a vocation. We have a vocation. This is not a calling you chose. Because he said, a calling with which you have been called. He didn't say, here is a calling you might be interested in. Lazarus, you know, are you interested in this? Do you want to come for No, he's called you. He's, he's raised you from the dead. Does that upset you? I hope it doesn't because he's, he's given us life, abundant life in Christ. But you must see you called on him because he first called you. Are there times in your life that you've said this? God, I didn't sign up for this. God, I didn't sign up. This is, you know, way past what I thought being a Christian was all about. No, you did sign up for it too. Because it's your calling. You're called. You're called. What does the Bible say? You're not your own. You're bought with a price. You're not your own. Interesting verse in 1 Thessalonians. 5, 23, and 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice here, the one who, what? Calls you, raised you from the dead, made you his child, died for you. The one who did that is faithful, and he will do it. Wow, he'll do it. He'll do it, and he does it. We're called out once, and then we're worthy. Uh, uh, we are to be, to walk worthy. Walking worthy. You may, that, that doesn't sound right. That, well, I, I thought the only thing we were worthy of is hell. Yeah, that's not what Paul is talking. Paul uh, is not saying, not suggesting that we can merit salvation, that we're worthy of it, because nobody is worthy of salvation. 
But he is talking about living a life that is a fitting representation of the calling to which we have been called. In other words, make sure that in, 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 in math, remember, if you have X plus 1 equals 2, X has to be 1, right? So the left side has to match the right side. That's what Paul is saying here. Be worthy of your calling. In other words, your, your life better display. It better match up. It better match up with your calling. Because this is what your calling is all about. Are you living it out? Do you love His Word? Do you pray? Do you seek His face? Do you witness? Do you Because He's changed you. Not out of guilt. Not after, oh man, I've got to read my scripture today. You know, I hadn't done that. I better pray. That is not Christianity, brothers and sisters. I hope that's not your life. I hope that's not your life. Because does one side match the other side? And Paul is saying, you've been called. Does that equal walking worthily? Walking worthily. Does it match up? This morning, I got dressed as I, as I always do. And I walk out there and Janine says, I'm sorry, that just doesn't match. <laughs> What's wrong? Your jacket does not match your, your clothes. It just clashes. It does our life match our profession? Amen. I'm being serious. I mean, we're talking about eternity here, folks. I'm talking about your soul. If you don't know God, if you've never been born again, if you don't love, the, love His Word and love Christ and are thrilled with your salvation and with the Bible, and you better check up. That's what Paul is saying. Wow, I've given you all this wonderful stuff. Now live out of that. Live because Christ has changed you and empowered you to live the Christian life. Give Him the glory, but do it. Let's pray. Father, as we uh, have looked into Your Word, how convicting it is in my own life. Because Lord, I confess that so often uh, I am not thrilled I wake up some days just uh, forlorn and down and discouraged. And Lord, I know we all struggle with what's going on. Lord, we, you know, this was not part of the deal, Lord. But may we see our calling. That you've called us and empowered us to live a holy life that's pleasing to you. Lord, change our want-tos. Empower us, God. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.